You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, we are in our little uh, two-part teaching series, a Christmas teaching series, that we've called An Unexpected Christmas. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned. I don't know if your life is going as planned, if it's taken a left turn or right turn that you didn't expect. Well, that's what we are talking about. Sometimes the unexpected is pleasant. There's many times that the unexpected is unpleasant, and we're wondering how do we trust God through that? I'm thinking this week in preparation, I'm thinking of a man who at the age of 32 had been married for two years, had a newborn baby. At the age of 32, he suffered a massive stroke. Didn't see that coming. Long hospitalization, long recovery, lifelong deficits because of it. What do you do? How do you trust God through the unexpected you might look at your life and, and see the unexpected things in your life and, and see, oh, they do not not really as dramatic as that. But the reality is, is that when it's happening to you, no matter how big or small it might seem to others, when, it happening, when it's happening to you, it's significant. And it's, it's where you're at. And the unexpected comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's changes at work that create a disruption or tension in your own heart. Sometimes it is tension in your family or even just right in your own home. The unexpected in terms of disrupted plans or expenses or illness and on and on it goes. Life is full of the unexpected. And here's the thing, nobody's immune. Happens to everybody in every family, in every household, we encounter the unexpected. The 32-year-old man with the stroke that I told you about was my father. His wife, my mother, the baby, my older brother happens in our family and happen in yours too. The question is, what do you do? How do you exercise faith in God when life doesn't go as planned? Well, on that first Christmas, a young couple named Mary and Joseph, they encountered the unexpected. They found themselves in a situation they did not see coming. Oh, sure, they, they were, with, with many other faithful believers, anticipating and longing and looking for the, the coming of the Messiah, but they never, ever imagined that they would be right smack dab in the middle of it. It was, it was a great thing to be sure, to be called upon, to be parents of the Christ, but it was also going to be a hard thing with many, many challenges. When an angel announced to Mary that she would give birth to Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph together would be parents of the Messiah, they encountered indeed the unexpected. And they knew full well what you and I encounter. They knew full well the realities of disruptions and even difficulties in this life. And when we read their story, we see that there are some people, some faithful people who love God, who know what it is to experience what we experience, the unexpected. But we also notice, when we read their story, we see them trusting God and experiencing His grace through all their unexpected situation. And the question I've got as we're studying this is, how do they do that? How did they they trust God? What is it that they did? 
where they not only got through it, but they thrived and honored God. They experienced God's grace in many ways. I want to experience that too. So how? How did we do that? Well, that's what we're looking at. Now, a week ago, we looked at the, the situation from Mary's perspective. Today, we're going to look at it from Joseph's perspective. So I want you to come with me in the scriptures to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. And uh, this week, we're going to see the unexpected uh, in the, that first Christmas through the eyes, through the experience of Joseph. So that's Matthew chapter 1. Luke gives us, Luke gives us Mary's perspective and, and tells us the, the Christmas story through, through her side of things. Matthew tells us about Joseph, and that's where we're going here. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Now here is Joseph uh, getting ready to be married at some point here to Mary, and you can imagine the excitement about that, the anticipation of that, and uh, he's got plans, he's got dreams, he's got it mapped out here, what his life's going to look like. He's, we understand he was a carpenter, he's probably got this family business going. Life is, he's sort of beginning, life's map is beginning to become clear for him, and then all of a sudden he discovered what you and I often discover is that God's plans are often not the same as our plans. Case in point, look at what verse 18 says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now that's we read that last week, right? Where Mary encountered the angel and the angel said, you're going, to have, you're going to have this baby named Jesus, and it would be, she asked, how is this going to be? And he said it would be a miracle, a work of the Holy Spirit. Now imagine if you're Joseph and, you, and your, your fiancé is found to be with child, you would find yourself having a hard time with that, wouldn't you? You can just imagine and the feelings that he has. And understand in the ancient context, the, the engagement arrangement is a little bit different from what we, what we usually do. The engagement in the ancient Near East was a, a legal, formal thing. Uh, certainly, I mean, it's public here as well. But this is, a, this is a, a significant situation with weighty cultural issues attached to it. This is really, this is, is quite scandalous in the ancient Near East for an unmarried woman, especially now a betrothed woman, engaged to a man to be found to be with child when he's not the father. And so there's scandal here. Of course, there's the assumption of extramarital sexual activity, of immorality that would be condemned with severe consequences culturally. And Joseph is well within his rights here to stand up for his own honor, divorce her in the sense of cutting off this engagement, going through a legal process to end the relationship, and to demand, not only he could also demand money, the dowry, the bride's dowry, he could demand that, and all the assets that she would bring into the relationship, he would get, and he could do it publicly to preserve his own innocence and honor which would be the normal course of things in these situations. And if so, Mary would be destitute for life. So that's the situation. <laughs> Merry Christmas. What's Joseph going to do? Okay, back into the text now. I've set that up for you. Verse 19. And her husband, Joseph, being, notice, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Resolved to divorce her quietly. What a man. What a man. So, two or three witnesses, as few as possible, would know. Verse 20. 
But as he considered these things, so he's made up his mind, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to end it, but I, I don't, I want to bring as little shame upon Mary as possible. Can you imagine him heartbroken, disillusioned, just caught totally off guard, staggered. Verse 20, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what Mary had been saying. It's from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's got this now in a dream. It says, verse 21, the angel says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Well, that's what Mary said. The angel came and said the name would be Jesus. And now he's got this, his own experience here, his own encounter with an angel in a dream. You'll call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Oh, Merry Christmas harvest. All this took place, now Matthew comments, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Now think about the weight of that. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. So in the face of all the scrutiny, all the suspicion, all the shaming that's going to come, he went ahead and did what the Lord had commanded him. The Lord's commanded me. The Lord has spoken. Therefore, I'm going to do it. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but notice the restraint. Here's a godly man, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. How do you handle the unexpected, loved ones, when life doesn't go as planned? Through Joseph's experience, I think we should start here. Understand that the unexpected circumstances of life are a reminder and a revealer. Understand this. The unexpected circumstances of our lives, the, the things that we don't see coming, the unplanned, when those happen, they are a reminder and a revealer. They are firstly a reminder that God's plans are often different from mine. And I say a reminder because this is a major point we made a week ago. So I'm reminding you that God's plans are often different from mine. Maybe you were reminded of that this week because you left church and then the unexpected happened. You're like, Lord, where did this come from? I didn't see this coming. Reminder. Reminder. God's plans are often different from mine. What, what were Joseph's plans? Well, to marry this woman, to have a family, to develop his carpentry business, to have a positive, godly influence in the world and on its community. That's what Joseph's plans. What were God's plans? Well, in many ways, quite similar. All those things. But oh, also this, that you're going to be the father, the adoptive father of the Christ. Your wife is going to give birth to the Messiah. So there's that too. <laughs> You, Joseph, are going to be a player 
in this great, awesome drama of redemptive history. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Together, Mary and Joseph would be parents of Jesus. Through Mary, Christ is the biological descendant of David. Through Joseph, he's got his legal right to the throne of David. See, God was at work in ways they could never have imagined. It's a reminder that God's plans are often different from mine. Verse 20, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in dreams, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Do not fear to take her as your wife. Listen, God was at work in ways that Joseph could not see coming. Was it scary? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any parents in the room before you had kids a little scared about that? Right. Any parents in the room who have kids still a little scared about that? Okay, now, now you're going to have the Christ. A little scary? Yeah. Would it be easy? No. But God had other plans. You notice, too, that God rarely comes and consults with us ahead of time. Rarely asks us for our input. He just does. Well, because he's God. Proverbs 16, 33. The lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. I meant to bring a set of dice with me. I forgot. Roll the dice. You roll the dice. One of the translations puts it this way. People roll the dice, but God determines how they fall. What's it going to be? What's going to happen? Well, God knows. He's got his plans. He's sovereign over everything. He's in his providence. He works. God has plans for your life that he hasn't told you about. You'll discover them. He's not going to consult you ahead of time. And the million-dollar question is, is that okay with you? See, the unexpected circumstances of life are a reminder and a revealer. They are a reminder that God's plans are often different from mine. They are a revealer of our true character. They're a revealer of our true character. When we encounter what we don't expect, when we didn't, what we didn't plan for, especially when it's a hard thing, That circumstance reveals the character that we have on the inside. It's like when we're in the squeeze in life, that's when you get to see what's really in there, what gets squeezed out. This is what happens here in Joseph. Notice in Joseph's life, he's he's got this verse 18 ends that Mary is found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. You see that verse 18, the end of the verse? Before they had come together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's, that's some serious squeeze. And notice what comes out, what's revealed here, what's shown, what's demonstrated. What kind of a man is Joseph? Well, we're going to find out now when the heat is on. Verse 20, and her husband Joseph being, notice, being a just man. He's a righteous man. And that righteousness, that that justness about his character is revealed. It's on full display here to the glory of God because it's God that worked it in him. It's a revealer of true character. Joseph was a godly man. And the unexpected circumstance that he found himself in revealed that. And it's the same for you. As you go through challenges and difficulties in your life, you're going to get to see where you're at with the Lord. Where you're at in your progress and sanctification, it's, it's maybe showing right now in your life, and you're seeing it, and maybe, maybe it's revealing to you some things that the Lord wants to work on in your life. It's a, a grace from God to you to put on display some areas where, in which he wants to bring you more joy and greater victory. 
a revealer of true character. What came out of Joseph? Well, it wouldn't be, it would be understandable if he was quite defensive or felt wronged and sought vengeance. You say, well, of course, what else would he assume other than that Mary had been unfaithful? It might be understandable if he sought firstly to defend his own honor and uphold his own name. After all, he had done nothing wrong, but everyone in the community would begin to assume that he had if he didn't, if he didn't uh, dismiss Mary from his life. There would be the temptation, too, to just ignore God. Imagine, he, the angel of the Lord appears in a dream, confirming everything that's been said to Mary. There would be a temptation to wake up from the dream and just say to yourself, it was just a dream. I ain't doing it. God, I know. I, <laughs> okay, you, you got your word and your will for my life, but I'm not going there. And how many of us in times of uh, in the crunch have been strongly tempted to say, no, I'm not doing that, Lord. I know it's what you want. I know you say it would be good for me, but I can't, and I won't. There'd be, there'd be temptation there to do that, but what did Joseph do? Well, he did what the Lord called him to do. And the reason he did it is because that was the man that God had shaped him to be. And the, the circumstances, the unexpected circumstances, revealed, revealed his character. What are the unexpected circumstances of your life revealing about you, loved one? What are they showing about you and your character? Are they revealing a selfless concern for others or a selfish concern for you? Are the unexpected circumstances in your life revealing confidence in God's promises or bitterness and anger over his unpleasant providences in your life? Are they revealing a gratitude for God's goodness to you or envy about his goodness toward others? Is the unexpected circumstances, are they revealing contentment with daily mercy or are they revealing in you an insatiable hunger for ease and comfort and a trouble-free life? Are they revealing the reality of knowing the peace of God's presence? Or is it producing worry and frustration about the unknown? Jerry Bridges, in his book, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it here. I should have written it down in my notes. It doesn't matter. Jerry Bridges says this. He says, he's talking about dealing with anxiety and frustration. And, sorry, the book is called Respectable Sins. There it is, just came back, Respectable Sins. And not that any sins are respectable, but his point is there's lots of sins in our lives that sometimes we're just way too okay with. Talking about anxiety and frustration. He says this. He has this little prayer that he prays. God, I accept your agenda for this situation whatever it may be. God, I accept your agenda for this situation, whatever it may be. Now, I wonder, when you encounter the unexpected in your life, is this the kind of prayer that you pray? God, I accept, I accept your agenda in this situation, whatever it may be. Now, don't get me wrong. When we go through difficult times and the unpleasant, unexpected, we can pray for a favorable outcome. We, we can pray. We can ask God in full faith that he would turn things around and that, 
there would be much mercy and that we would see the tensions resolved, that we would see the, the problems go away. We, we can pray for that. In fact, we see that modeled in Scripture. Prayer is for positive, favorable outcomes. I mean, even, even the Lord Jesus, even the Lord Jesus on the night before he was crucified prayed, let this cup pass from me. So, so there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, Lord, take this away. Please, God, change this. I'm pleading with you. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, this be biblical, a biblical prayer. And there's certainly nothing wrong. It would be right and wise for you to take action, to act wisely, and to plan and prepare and strategize. And I'm talking about the unexpected and dealing with that. It doesn't mean that you don't plan, that you don't prepare. It doesn't mean that we just sit by passively in life and just let life happen to us. Far from it. However, when the unexpected happens in our lives, a godly person, when, when it's beyond their control, a godly person, a person like Joseph says, says this, God, whatever is your agenda for this situation, whatever it is, may it be. That's what we see in Joseph's life here. The unexpected circumstances of life are a reminder and revealer, a, a reminder that God's plans are often different from mine, and a revealer of true character. So we've got that on the table, and maybe you're seeing, okay, I'm seeing some character, and maybe you're going to be asking people that you trust who are real close to you, what kind of character is being revealed in my life right now? I'll be asking the Lord to show you that, to help you to see that. You can go through that, but you're like, but Ross, you still, have, you still haven't helped us. Now you got me looking. Okay, God's looking at ourselves. You set the table here and thinking about, okay, so God's plans are often different than mine. And, and this, this, this unexpected circumstance I'm in may reveal uh, my, my true character. But you still haven't answered the real question. And the question is, how do you exercise faith in God? How do you trust God through it? How do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that's where I want to go to now. You see, there's realities that we must grasp. We've got to get this, that unexpected circumstances are a reminder and a revealer. But we see in Joseph more than just that. We see him exercising faith in the unexpected. And I want to suggest to you there's three things here. Trusting God when life doesn't go, in plan, trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves at least three things. Two of them we see in Joseph, and one is an observation I have about this text. So three things altogether. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves firstly doing what God tells us to do. Doing what God tells us to do. What was Joseph's response to the message from God through the angel in the dream? What was his response? Well, it was obedience, wasn't it? Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Notice that language, commanded. He took it as command from God that I'm called to obey here. I'm called to do something here, to do as I'm told, to do as I'm instructed. And that's what, that's what he does. When he woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So he followed through right to every detail. He did as he was told. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves, firstly, doing what God tells us to do. Joseph gets the explanation that confirms Mary's account of what happens. 
And the word from God compels him, compels him to change direction, to change course in his life, to do what the Lord had told him to do. And that's what God's word does. It changes our direction. It guides us. It, it directs our paths. Joseph, is, he's in a real conundrum here. I love in the text when it says it in verse... Um, 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. As he considered these things, I love that phrase because it shows us that Joseph really wrestled with what do I do here? What, what do I do in this situation? Imagine too, from all that we know of Mary, Joseph would be utterly shocked, shocked that she's with child. He, he would have had I mean, hard enough for him to come to terms with the angel appearing and saying, you're going you're to have a baby. But even the notion, this would be so, if she was unfaithful, this is so out of character. It just, he's encountering something that he never thought possible. And of course, that his initial reaction and assumption was false. And we can understand that. How would, he, how would he have, anybody have ever thought otherwise? But he considered this. He wrestled with this. He, he didn't know and just imagine, I don't know if you've got a place that you go when you're really thinking things through. Maybe you, there's a place maybe you like to walk or maybe you like to get in the car or maybe you go out to your shop. And Joseph all the time is thinking things through and wrestling this and pondering it and pondering it. Finally, when he gets an answer from the Lord, the light comes on and shows him the path. What's he going to do now? It's going to be hard. But he does what the Lord says. Verse 24, he took his wife. He marries her. Takes her to his home. Right? To have and to hold from this day forward. Clear, direct, act of obedience. Question, why? Why did Joseph do this? Answer, because God commanded it. And so he did it. And loved ones, that's faith. That's faith. God says it. Therefore, I believe it. I'm going to respond accordingly. I'm going to do it. He believed God. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves firstly doing what God tells us to do. Was, life, was Joseph's life going to be harder doing what God told him to do? In many respects, yes. Would it be complicated? Very. Would there be higher pressure? Absolutely. Remember, the Christ was hunted after he was born. Imagine dad. Imagine dad's in the room. Your newborn baby. Your baby is being hunted. Pressure? Yeah. But just like Mary, Joseph didn't deliberate after he heard the word from the Lord. Because just like Mary, he already made up his mind what his answer would be. If the Lord called him to do something, the answer is yes. He valued obedience to God above his own honor and reputation. Imagine the internal, the internal wrestling match. People are going to assume things about me. Joseph was a godly man. People are going to assume things about me. And it doesn't matter what you say, they ain't going to believe you. But he valued what God wanted. He valued God's will over his own reputation, over his own honor. Do you have that same heart? Is that something maybe we can be praying about for, together, that God would give us that kind of a heart? See, loved ones, we are not trusting God when we're not obeying God. So we can talk about having faith, but it's like James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. 
You like about believing, and believing is good, believing is important, but the proof is in the pudding by how we respond to what God says. And that's what Joseph shows us here, doing what God calls us to do. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves doing what God tells us to do, to walking that path of obedience regardless of the circumstance. They say, okay, well, that's clear, but that ain't easy. And you're right about that. But wonderfully, I think in this text here, in Joseph's example, we get some profound encouragement. And the encouragement comes with this. It's really the power source is God's word. What God tells them here, yes, he is compelled to obey, but it also powers forward his obedience. His obedience comes by the power of what the Lord has spoken. Notice verse 20 again. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Now, he's got lots of fears here, understandable fears. What are people going to think of me? What's my family going to say about this? You know, uh, what kind of trouble is going to come my way? He's got reasons to be fearful. But, but he, he acts in obedience. Notice what it says. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for, notice that word for, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I love that because there's truth here. There's, listen, there's, here's, God speaks, and there's, there's reality of what God is doing here, and the, the message from the angel is, it, it isn't just get over it, or just ignore your fears, try to pretend they're not there. No, there's, there's reasons to not be fearful, because God is doing something here, and God is saying something here. And there's a future promise here. She will bear a son, verse 21. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So there's promise here. So God has done something. There's a promise here. God speaks, and that leads to Joseph's obedience and action. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves, firstly, doing what God tells us to do, but secondly, believing what God tells us he will do. And what he will do, he says, is he's going to do great things. This Jesus is going to be the Savior who will save his people from their sins. From where do we get the power to do what God tells us to do, friends? Where do we get it? We get it by believing what God says, by banking on his promises. He's got a promise here that this Christ, this Jesus, is going to save his people from their sins. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. He's going to be God with us. There's, there's promise here. There's certainty here. And, and loved ones, the strength that we get to keep trusting God, to keep obeying God, comes from believing what he says. Believing what he says he's done. Believing what he says that he will do. That's where the power comes from. We, we need to get our, we, loved ones, we got to get our noses in the promises of God. It's the power from, for living, to, to learn them, to discern between what I want and what he wills. Some people think this. Some people have this sort of this mentality. They think, listen, if God is God, and if God is good, and if I'm good, then therefore nothing bad should happen to me. Lots of people think that. If God is God, and if God is good, and if I'm good, then nothing bad should ever happen to me. Now, as Bible-believing Christians, we'd say, we probably do need to have a, a little side conversation about the definition of good. Okay. But we'll, just, we'll even just leave that to lay on the floor here for a moment and just think about even the, the idea here, if God is God and God is good and if I'm good, nothing bad should happen to me. Loved ones, that is not promised anywhere in the Bible. No Christian is promised an easy life. None of us. 
In fact, if you read the Bible carefully, you'll see often the opposite. A wonderful finish. A certain awesome, glorious eternity. But the road between here and there is hard. The word of God, though, for Joseph was a decisive factor in his life. He trusted God. He believed it. He believed what he heard that God was doing, and he believed what God said that he would do. Believing what God says he has done and what he will do. The word of God, the promises of God, give us the strength we need to act in obedience. Even when God's plans are not what we expected, even when life doesn't go as planned. Think of it like this. The word of God is for us in our lives as many things, but it's kind of like, kind of like a, a bridge. I got this on the way out the door this morning. I pulled this off the fridge. I asked my daughter's permission to for this, just so you know. Anyway, she did some work uh, recently on some um, engineering and architecture and, um, in her grade five class. And I see here, she's identified, there's a car, there's a bridge here with a car on it, and she's marked it as a live load. And then there's a building here, it's called a dead load. So if the engineer's in the room, right, the dead, the dead load is the weight of the thing itself. The live load is the weight that's, that's on it. There's a great explanation here, better than the one I'm giving to. But, um, and then there's also, there's also wind load. I don't know if you talked about that at all. But anyway, I just want to, I want to show this off because it says excellent at the top. She did excellent. Of course she did. That's great, right? She did a great job. That's right. And she'll never forgive me probably after <laughs> to show on that. Dead load, the weight of the bridge. Think of a bridge. The dead load, the weight of the bridge itself. The live load, the traffic going over. Wind load, wind that blows on the pressures that come. All, I, any bridge that you see has got to have bracings to hold it, to manage all these loads. The dead load, the live load, the wind load. Any bridge that you drive across, any bridge you see has got to have these bracings. They're necessary to enable the bridge to bear all these loads. Wilbur Nelson says this, In our lives, we need bracings, which make it possible to carry the dead weight of self, the live load of daily living, and the wind load of emergencies. We read that again. In our lives, we need bracings, which make it possible to carry the dead weight of self, the, the live load of daily living, and the wind load of emergencies. And we could add, add pandemics and crises and job uncertainty and parenting problems and marriage frustrations. Loved ones, the Word of God is that bracing for us. It's what holds us. It's what strengthens us. The Lord uses it to give us power. And that's how we trust God when life doesn't go as planned. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves doing what he tells us to do, believing what he tells us he's done and what he will do. And now thirdly, there's a third thing that's an observation. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves remembering what God has already done. Remembering what God has already done. It's my observation in this text, and it comes from verse, especially verse 21. I just got to find it here in my Bible. You look for it in yours. Verse 21. Notice the message to Joseph about Mary. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. A rendering of the meaning of Jesus' name means God saves. 
So the name is significant. He's a savior. He, he will save his people from their sins. This verse explains to us the significance of Christmas. That this Christ who was born was born to save. And wonderfully, as we read the rest of his story, we discover how he saves. He saves by, he saved by doing what he did on the cross. See, the message of the Bible is very basically this. There is a God who has always been, who because of his own choosing, created all that there is, including you. And he made you and me as people, of all the things of creation, he made you and me as people with capacity to know him and to love him. He made us for that purpose, to know him and to love him and to enjoy him forever. But there's a problem, and the problem that has come into our lives is this problem of sin. Sin is really when we don't treat God like God. And that works itself into all kinds of shameful things that we have to acknowledge that we're guilty of in our lives. And sin separates us from this God. And here's the most devastating part. There isn't anything you and I can do to fix it. Because the damage is done. It's really quite bad news, really, when you begin to understand part of the message of the Bible. It's bad news that before a holy God, we have no hope on our own. But God did not leave it there. Wonderfully, that first Christmas, Jesus came into the world, and he came for the purpose of saving us for our sins. He lived the perfect life that we haven't lived. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that our sins can be removed from us, the barrier taken down that we can know God. That's why Jesus came. That's the gospel message. It starts with God. There's bad news about sin. There's good news about Jesus. But there's also this reality that you and I must respond to Jesus. You see, this isn't just automatically conferred. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe on him. See, we must respond to him. What the angel says, <clears throat> excuse me, to Joseph here about Jesus is that he will save his people from their sins. This Jesus came to die to accomplish this salvation. And that's why I'm thinking about what God has already done. Christ has come. Atonement for sin has been made. It's been made. And, and not only that, the grave has been defeated. Jesus was buried, but he didn't stay dead. He arose from the dead. And the life that he lives, now we can have that life too, that eternal life in him. These are things that God has already done. Death is really, truly defeated. Oh, we may die, but we won't truly die. We'll have resurrection life. And so this is what I'm trying to show you here is that when I'm reading this in this verse, he will save his people from their sins. I think, well, he's already done that. He came and he made the way for us. And this is how we trust God when life doesn't go as planned by remembering in the immediate, there's many unexpected things that happen that are hard to deal with. But we keep trusting him, we keep believing in him by remembering. But wait a minute, God has already worked in history to secure my eternal future. 
So that even if the road is rocky and bumpy and even painful at times and disappointing, I know that I know that I know that the end is coming and the end will be good because of what Christ has already done. He died for me. So even if, if all gives way tomorrow, Christ has still been crucified for me. Even if my life goes sideways, if the whole thing goes off a cliff tomorrow, he's still risen from the dead. And no, nothing can happen that's going to change that. And that's how you get through. That's how you trust God through it is by remembering what he's already done in history. Do you see how privileged we are? That we know this. We can see it was done. It was finished. Remember what Jesus said when he died? Right before he died, he said, it is finished. So how are you going to get through the unexpected? By remembering what God has already done that gives you the courage to know that your future is sure. See, your position is sure and your future is secure because of what he's already done. So remember it. Remember it. Remember Jesus has addressed the single biggest problem you have of all. And he's guaranteed you in him by faith a happy ending. I think of it like this. I like, um, I enjoy watching classic sports, classic hockey especially. I am a, uh, I'm a Leaf fan, as some of you know, and, and um, I, I do enjoy watching old games. Sometimes I just want to switch my brain off and do something mindless. But here's the thing. I like watching old Leaf games. It's like nostalgic about it. I love, love the Wendell Clark years and stuff like that. He was sort of my childhood hero. And I love watching these games. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I only watch classic Leaf games when I know the Leafs are going to win the game. <laughs> so there's that year when they lost to Gretzky and the Kings. Oh, that game is available. I could watch it this afternoon if I wanted, but I ain't ever going to watch it. Never. It's too painful. It's too painful. In fact, I have a hard time watching any game from that series because I just know how it ends. But there's lots of times I'll watch these, these classic games, and you know, the Leafs will get behind. There's one in particular. I remember they were behind like, something like 6-1 to one in the game, and it just like, looks abysmal. And, but, but I keep watching because I know what's going to happen. They have this epic comeback, and they win in overtime, 7-6. to six. And so I watch this game, and I keep watching. Oh, look, we're getting into a hole here. It's getting pretty bad here. But I know how it ends. And the deeper the hole, the more my joy and excitement. But <laughs> just watch what's going to happen here. It's going to flip around here, and they're going to win. I'm watching with excitement because I know it's a happy ending. If you are in Christ, that is your life. You know it's a happy ending because of what he has done. And the deeper the hole, the harder the path, the greater the joy in the end when you say, you see, you see. I knew it all along. I knew it all along. Trusting God when life doesn't go as planned involves doing what he tells us to do believing what he says he's done and he will do, remembering what he's already done. Let me ask you this. Doing what he tells us to do, is there, dear Christian, is there a step of obedience that God wants you to take that you've not yet taken? Is there something that you know, you know that God wants you to start doing? Like giving, serving, 
reaching out to somebody with good news. Maybe there's an issue that you know God wants you to address. Maybe there's an apology you need to make. Maybe there's anger that you need to deal with. Irritability, impatience, pride. Got a tongue problem. Something that you need to address, that you, you need to tackle this thing. You need some soul care. Is there something that God wants you to do that you've, that you've not yet done? Invest, put an effort into your marriage to get into his word, to worship, to pray, to evangelize. Maybe it's to be baptized or to commit yourself to a local church, even this one. Is there a step of obedience that God wants you to take that you've not yet taken? Remember, you are going to exercise faith in God through the unexpected in this life by doing what he tells you to do. Don't wait for the unexpected. Start now. Doing what he tells us to do. Believing what he says he will do. Loved ones, do you know what God says in his word? I don't mean do you know the whole Bible, but like are you in his word so that you have a regular diet of knowing the things that God says in his word? Do you know some of his promises? Could you name for me right now five promises that God's given you in his word? Could you name them? Because you're going to need them. You might even need them today. You believe God. You trust him. You need to fuel that faith and fuel that obedience by feeding on his word. Do you know what it is that God says in his word? And loved ones, will you discipline yourself to remember? To remember, to remind yourself what the Lord has already done. When, when trouble comes, and if trouble's here right now, Will you remind yourself today that Christ has died for me? And whatever's going on right now doesn't change the fact that he has risen and he's spoken words of promise that he will not leave me as an orphan, but he'll come for me. As I close this service today, or I close my message today, the team's going to come here and going to lead us in a closing song. But I'm just mindful of the fact that there may be some heavy, weighty things that you are dealing with personally, and you, you just you need prayer. I'm going to ask you to do something that's a little bold and maybe a little out of your comfort zone. But if you, have, if you have something right now you need particular prayer for, maybe something I've just mentioned, there's something you know God wants you to do, and you're emboldened by faith that you, you need to do it, but you, you, know, you know you're going to need prayer, you need strength to step out. Or maybe you're struggling to believe God's promise through a particular situation. But there's something on your heart today that you're like, <clears throat> I, need, I need prayer. I want to ask you right now, as the team's going to come, you guys can make your way up here to, to lead us in our last song. I want to ask you right now where you are to just to stand, to stand where you are. And I'm going to pray in a moment. And as we pray, the people around you are going to be praying for you, right close to you. The people who are near to you are going to be praying for you. If there's something that I can pray for, there's a brother at the back standing, someone else, you just like, I need, I need particular prayer for something. I'm not going to ask you what it is. No one's going to stop you on the way out to say, hey, what is it you need? But there's something that we can pray for for you. I want you to stand right now, and we're going to pray. All right, we got four people here in the room.
that are saying, I need prayer for something really particular. If there's anybody else here, let's take an opportunity right now to stand, and we're going to pray and seek God for you. Thanks, brother. All right. So you see the people who are standing near you. If you're near that person, you maybe just anger yourself toward them. If they're within arm's reach, they're in your household, you put your hand out and maybe touch their arm. And we're going to pray together, church. Please, dear folks who are standing, saying, I need this. I need prayer. Father in heaven, you see the people who are standing here, Lord. A bold step of saying, I need prayer. Lord, for some it's a particular weighty thing. Maybe for some it's an embarrassing thing. For some it's a confusing thing. For some it's hard to articulate what it is. But Lord, they're standing before you this morning saying, really, Lord, I don't want to leave here the same as when I came in. And I need strength and I need courage to take a step of obedience, to believe you, to remember who I am in Christ. So Lord, I pray for these precious folks who have stood this morning, Lord, for your abundant grace for them. Lord, that they would be encouraged, that they would be strengthened by the prayers, not only my prayers, but the prayers of the saints who are around them right now. So Lord, I commit them to you. And ask you, Lord Jesus, that you be magnified and glorified as they leave this place today, Lord. Fill them with your spirit and with faith in the risen Savior. And Lord Jesus, we pray this for our church too, for all of us, Lord. Lord, we need you. We all need you. And Lord, you know what's coming our way today, this week, this month, in the coming year. You know. We don't. But I pray, Lord, that you would prepare us for it and glorify yourself through it. In Jesus' name.